0: 1 John chapter 2 is where we uh, are in our study of the book of 1 John, and I'll invite you to turn there this morning. We're going to back up a little bit and read the verses that we uh, read and, and studied last time just for the sake of context. You know, sometimes uh, when you're preaching through a book of the Bible, and you're maybe you know the, the, the sermons themselves are individualized and we focus on... Uh, various aspects and, and topics, subjects that are found within the text, but it's important for us to remember that all of these things are interconnected, and, and, and this book is written as an epistle, a letter that was written, and so it all flows together, these aren't just a bunch of uh, disjointed verses or passages that really are kind of randomly thrown in there. But they build upon each other. The, the truth that we're studying today builds upon last week and the week before that. And so uh, I think it's important for us just to, uh, to get into this uh, and, and understand the context. So if you're there in 1 John 2, I'll invite you to stand. If you're able to stand for the reading of the scripture, if you're not able for whatever reason, that's totally fine. Uh, but uh, we'll stand this morning and read 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse number 12. It says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I want to preach to you this morning about this subject of the world and what's not to love. What's not to love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we're in your word this morning, I pray that you would give us ears to hear that we could hear the truth from your word today. I pray that you'd help us to rightly divide your word, to understand uh, what it says and what that means and how it applies to our lives, Lord, that the words that are spoken today would not be the opinions of man or the preferences of a preacher, but Lord, that it would be the eternal word of God speaking forth into the lives of your people. Would you do your work among us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Last time we, we talked about, last week we talked about uh, these stages of spiritual growth that are kind of addressed in the early verses that we just read there, verses 12 through 14. We talked about the fact that there are, uh, th- that the, the Christian life is a, uh, is a life that is uh, marked by and characterized by growth, that we would be going uh, above and beyond where we have in times before. That, that it should be normal and natural for a child of God uh, to be continually sanctified throughout his life. In other words, if you've been saved for any length of time, you should be different even than you were when you were first saved. And in those first few months and years, there's a process of growth that takes place. And we, we looked at three specific uh, stages within that growth that are identified there, those who were children, those babes in Christ or, or young in the Lord, and, and that their basically their level of, of maturity as Christians was basically just that they knew they were saved. Their sins were forgiven, they had a relationship with God, and we mentioned how that's a great place to be, but that's not the only place that we should be as Christians. We need to be growing beyond that, and we talked about young men, and and how the, the, the youthfulness of, 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 uh, of young men uh, gives them strength and, and, and ability. And, and really these, these young men spiritually were those who were uh, overcoming and experiencing victory and, and growing in the word of God. The word of God abides in them, the, the Bible says. And then we talked about the fathers. Those who are maybe on the more mature end of things spiritually... And they were characterized by a a, a, a deep knowledge and fellowship and relationship with God. And that's what we all ought to be striving for. A greater knowledge of the Lord and a a greater passion for following Him. So we talked about these stages of growth. And the reality is today that every one of us here fits into one of these three categories if you are saved. Now if you're not saved, you need to be born again. You need to be born into the family of God and begin this process... Of growth, But if you're here today and you are saved, you are at some stage of spiritual growth in your life. You may be a babe, you may be at a point of maybe adolescence or, or, or a, a young adult, spiritually speaking, or, or maybe you're somewhat aged, but all of us are in different stages of growth. But when we get to verse number 15, which is really where our text for today begins we find that the message and the commandment, the admonition, is for all of us at every stage of spiritual growth. And here's what it is. Love not the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And then it says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, I'm going to ask a question this morning to those... You know that you are saved. You are a child of God. You know that your sins are forgiven. And you're on your way to heaven. There's no doubt about that in your mind. Here's the question for you. Don't answer me. But between you and God. Answer this question. Do you love God? Do you love the Father? Now that might seem like a silly question to you. I mean after all. Here I am in church on a Sunday morning. Uh, I'm, I'm here because... I love God, of course I love God. He saved me, how could I not love Him? But I believe that this is an important question to ask ourselves because according to the scripture, we are commanded to love God and we're commanded not to love the world because that contradicts the love of God in our lives. And so in other words, it is apparently possible for you to be saved and not love God. That is a very real possibility. To not truly have a love for God in your heart that's being worked out in your life. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, that anyone could possibly be saved and not have some, some love for God. But what I'm saying is not loving God in the, uh, in the sense that the word commands us to. We are commanded to love God. And notice he commands us, love not the world. So apparently it's possible for us to love the world. And then at the end of of the verse, it says, if if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it is possible for you to be saved and not in love with God. Crazy as that may sound. Now, I fear that for too long, we, and when I say we, I hope you understand, uh, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. I'm not talking about this church in particular any preachers in particular, but just in general, Christians in general, I, I feel it, fear that for too long we have preached a shallow gospel that is focused primarily on men and really on our own well-being. Let me, let me explain this to you. The average gospel presentation goes something like this. If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? I don't have a problem with that question. I think it's a good question. I think it's a question that everybody ought to ask themselves. Do you know that? But then the the presentation goes on from there. Well, if you're not sure that you would go to heaven, don't you want to go to heaven? I mean, after all, one day you're going to die and You don't want to die and go to hell and and burn in those flames. Don't you want to go to heaven where there's mansions and streets of gold and and there's no more sickness or pain? Don't you want to go to heaven? Well, yeah, yeah, I want to go to heaven. Well, if you want to go to heaven, here's what you have to do. You have to understand you're a sinner and that your, your sins separated you from God and that Jesus died to pay for your sins. And you have to call upon the name of the Lord so that you can be saved And the whole Gospel presentation is focused on one thing. You need to escape from the flames of hell so that you can have the joys of heaven. That's what it's all about. Now again, I'm not saying that that is a wrong thing in and of itself. Please understand me. Jesus himself said, Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So there is a, an aspect of this that is, uh, that, that, that is that we ought to flee from the wrath to come. And I'm not saying that a fear of hell is a wrong reason to be saved we ought to recognize that our sin is sending us to hell and it separated us from God and that we need deliverance but I just want you to know and think about this for a moment when this is the emphasis all it is is I don't want you to die and go to hell I want you to go to heaven the emphasis is man-centered the emphasis is all about what you can get for nothing it's all about what you know, hey, don't, I mean, after all, if you get saved, you, you've got this great fire escape. And if you do really well here on earth, you'll even get more reward in heaven. Anybody up for a bigger mansion? You know, and that's kind of the way that people think about things. Now, I'm not saying that someone can't be saved and have that mentality even. But this is a humanistic philosophy Amen. that salvation is all about us. That salvation is all about this idea that I, I want to be free from the consequences of sin and I want to receive the blessings of salvation. And since it's totally free, I guess I'll receive it. And you have all these people that are walking around today, naming the name of Christ, claiming to be saved. And they're totally content with where they are spiritually because they feel, you know what, if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. So after all, everything's good, right? But, folks, we've been called to so much more than that. The Bible concept of salvation is this we were lost, dead in our trespasses and sins, on the road to destruction, on the road to hell. Listen, not only hell bound, but hell deserving. And God, in His great love and mercy, sent His only Son who stepped down from his throne in heaven, took upon him the form of flesh, lived a sinless life among sinful people, and ultimately took your sin and my sin upon himself. That disgusting, putrid, repulsive sin that we have rebelled against God and rejected God and and followed after all these wicked and abominable things. Christ took that upon himself. And then died in your place and in my place so that we could be delivered, so that we could be saved. The Bible says that he suffered a great contradiction of sinners against himself. It was a contradiction for Christ to become sin for us. And yet God the Father made him to become sin. Who knew no sin. Why? That. We might escape the flames of hell. No, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The gospel is this. Yes, heaven awaits those who are saved. Yes, praise God, I'm free from from the the, the destruction of of my sin, the consequences of my sin. I, I don't have to worry about dying and going to hell, but listen, it doesn't stop there. I've been delivered from that wretched wickedness that separated me from God. I've been made free from that. I've been brought back into fellowship with God that I have lost because of my sin. And this is the the purpose of God in my life. If if His only purpose was to deliver me from hell and take me to heaven, then why didn't He take me to heaven when I got saved? He didn't. He left me here on this earth for a reason. He changed my life. He, He gave me a new life in Christ, and He's called me now to live and walk in obedience to Him and to allow the righteousness of God to be fulfilled through me by the Spirit of God that dwells in me. You see, the, the, the Bible picture of salvation is so much deeper and, and so much more, uh, uh, so much really more majestic, if you will, than, than what we've dumbed it down to or watered it down to when we make it all about man. The truth is, the message of salvation is not about us, it's about him. It's about the fact that God would care for us enough and love us enough to be willing to save us when we did not deserve it. It's about Him. And yet you have so many people today who walk around and name the name of Christ. But have no desire to live in fellowship with Him. No desire to to become Christ-like, no real love for God, no real passion for the things of God, no real hunger to to live for Him. It's all just about the things of this world and this life. And I I believe that there are people that are filling the pews of good, solid, Bible-believing churches who really believe, I'm saved, and I'm on my way to heaven. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live the very best life that I can right here. I'm going to have all the fun that I want to have. I'm going to indulge in all the things I want to indulge in. And when I die, I've got my ticket to heaven right here. And that's the way that they live. Folks, that is not what we've been called to. We've been called to love God. You say, well, what is loving God? Let me me show you something here. Verse number 15, love not the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at verse number 17, though. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but... He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In other words, the love of God is is demonstrated by doing the will of God, by obedience to him. In other words, if I love him, my desire is going to be that his will is accomplished in my life. Hold your place here and go with me to the book of Colossians, if you would, please. Colossians and chapter number three. Colossians 3 is an admonition to believers, Christians, those who are saved. Colossians 3 and verse number 1. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ. Now who is risen with Christ? Well, if you're saved, you're risen with Christ. You've been been born again. You were dead. Now you've been raised spiritually spiritually. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. He says, if you're saved, you ought not to be seeking after the things of this world but rather seeking after the Lord and things of eternal value. If you have been risen with Christ, you need to set your affection on things above. By the way, this concept that you can't control who you love and what you love is totally foreign to the Bible. Because we're commanded to love certain things and not to love other things. We're talking about that this morning. If you're commanded to love something and not love other things, that means that you have some control over that which you love. And he says, set your affection on things above. Affection, love, the, 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 the demonstration of love. Set it on things above. Let me ask you, what consumes your mind? What do you think about on a daily basis as you go throughout your day? What is on your mind and on your heart? For many people, it's material possessions, things that they're coveting after and striving for. For some people, it's success; they're just driven to be successful. It consumes them, their mind. For some people, it's money; it just fill It just everything that they think about is in relation to money, and and, and how this works and. And, and how they can get more and, and do better. For some people, it's hobbies, things that they enjoy, sports or, or activities and certain things, or entertainment, whatever it might be. But what is it that fills your mind? I can tell you this, if you are in love with something, it will consume your mind. Yeah. How many of you remember when you first met that person that you now call your wife or your husband? Yeah, I remember that too. I remember how many of my thoughts were consumed with who is now my wife. I, I mean, I thought about her a lot. She thought about me a lot. How do I know that? Because she called me all the time on the phone. Sometimes to the detriment of other things that I needed to be doing. But she called. Why? Because she wanted to talk to me, and I wanted to talk to her Because we cared about each other, we loved each other, we thought about each other all the time. For a while, we lived in a long-distance relationship. Boy, that was hard. Because you're thinking about someone that you want to be with, but you're not with them. But your mind is still consumed with them. Because you love them. What you love will take up your thoughts. You know, we're kind of, if you will, and I'm not trying to in any way bring God down to our level but in a sense we're in a long distance relationship with God you know we're not with him in body and person yet but if you love him you long to be you know you've got a purpose you have a reason to be here on this earth you've got something that that God has you doing and you're not going to give up on that but man I mean Paul said I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart Be with the Lord, which is far better, he said. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So, in other words, God has a purpose for me, and I'm here, and I want to serve you, I want to be a blessing to you, but really, my heart's desire is to go and be with the Lord. You know, everyone who's in love with the Lord would have that same desire. I want to be with Him. I want to know Him. And yet, I think so many Christians today are just clinging to this world so tightly. Yeah. Someone said when the when the rapture happens, some of God's people are gonna go feet first because they're trying to hold on to this world, you know. It's so true though. Well I you know, I I want to go to heaven when I die, you know, at 150 years old, and I've done everything I want to do here on this earth. And listen, I'm not saying that we need to all have a death wish. But I'm just saying, if you love God, wouldn't that show? I mean, if, if, you're, if you're so attached to this world, is that not an indication that maybe your love is, is more horizontal than it is vertical? That you have more interest in the things of this world than you do in, in heavenly places in Christ, with Christ? He says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Verse 2, set your affection on things above. Verse 3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And then notice the first part of verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. The word mortify literally means to put to death. In other words, all the things that that mattered to you before salvation, you need to die to those things. And you need to live for one thing. And that's eternity. You need to love the Father. You need to love the Lord. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so, apparently, it is possible. By these scriptures that we've read, it is possible for a Christian to quote-unquote fall out of love with God and fall in love with the things of the world. If you go back to 1 John chapter 2, I want you to notice John's concern. Notice the the way that he's written this book, and we've mentioned this a couple of times. It was written with the heart of a a spiritual father, a, a spiritual leader who cares about the people that he's writing to. He cares about their their state, their condition. Not only physically, but he cares about them spiritually. And he writes to them using words like, my little children. He he cared for these people just as as a father would care for his own children. And just as you have concern for your children and you desire things for them, he's writing with that heart of a father that says, "I, I love you and I want what's best for you. And he's just addressed children and fathers and young men and all these groups in every stage of life. Here's a warning. Love not the world. I care about you. I'm concerned about you. And I know that this is a very real possibility that you could at some point become consumed with the things of this world. And I want you to know that it is not good for you spiritually. I want you to guard yourself against the love of the world folks listen the love of the world naturally creeps into our lives I don't know exactly why that is I know that ultimately it's because we still live in the flesh and our flesh is carnal I'm spiritual Paul said but my flesh is carnal right And I live in this flesh, and this carnal, worldly, wicked flesh is so susceptible to temptation, to enticement, and we are bombarded constantly. And if this was a problem in the first century, it, how much more is it a problem today? We're constantly bombarded with advertisements, and, 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 and we just have the world before our eyes all the time, it seems. Just all the the wickedness that goes on in the world, but even things that aren't necessarily wrong and sinful in and of themselves. Just all the things of the world that we can easily become enamored by this and begin lusting after these things and desiring after them. And John says, listen, my little children, those who I love, those who I care about, those who I'm concerned for, don't fall into the trap of falling in love with the world. Love not the world. He's talking about the world system, just this place that we live, the the, the society around us, everything, this world that we live in, love not the world, but then he says neither the things that are in the world, not just the world itself, not just uh, don't, you know, he's not saying that it's a a wrong thing to walk out in nature and, and say, boy, this is beautiful. I really love it here. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't don't consume yourself with the things of this world. Don't don't, don't fall in love with this. Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, you you need to be concerned about this in your own life. Guard yourself, guard your heart, because every one of us is susceptible to falling in love with the world. Sometimes spiritually mature people even, are more susceptible to failure because they believe that they're not. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 says, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Maybe you're here and you say, Well, you know, I really don't have a love of the world. I really don't care so much about the things of this life. I'm eternally focused, so this really isn't for me. No. Children, fathers, young men love not the world. Don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. Don't love the world. I'm convinced, and I haven't been there yet. I hope that I won't be, but most people, if they live a long life, as they age, the body begins to to fail. And, I mean, even in this room today, we've got some folks some older folks who are just struggling with health problems ongoing issues and and burdens and I think if you were honest you'd have to admit life is just harder than it used to be it's just harder to get up in the morning and function throughout the day and 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 I've talked to to some folks some senior folks elderly who've talked about the the aches and pains of life and all the health problems that come with it and then the burden of you know, burying loved ones and family that you, and friends, and uh, it seems like as people get older, they attend a lot more funerals of people they know, you know, and as I've talked to these people, there's been kind of one general sentiment among them that this life just isn't quite as good as it used to be, (laughs) and I really believe that God has a purpose in that. I believe that God's purpose in allowing us to go through that near, as we near the end of this life is to kind of detach us a little bit from the love of this world. To show us that things aren't as great and as grand as we maybe once thought they were. And to prepare us to be ready to go home and meet the Lord, you know? He's telling us don't love the world. Love not the world. There's a concern that he has for them. But then I want you to notice not only... Is there a concern? But the reason for the concern is because it's a contradiction. Look at verse number 15 again. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know what he's saying here? (laughs) It's very clear. You cannot love God and love the world at the same time. These two things are mutually exclusive. They cannot exist together. So you can't sit there and say, "Well, I love God, but I'm also carnal." That doesn't work. Right. I, I love God, but I, I but I also really love the world. I, I'm so excited to go to heaven, but you know, not today, <laughs> not for a long time. Because I, I there's I just there's certain things in this world I want to accomplish. I want to do this. I want to do that, and and I want to have this and experience that. And so. When my time comes, I'll be ready, but not until then. No, you're loving the world. You can't love God and love the world. It's impossible. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, and let's, in fact, let's go there if you would please with me. I want to just show you what Jesus said about this. Matthew chapter 6, here in the Sermon on the Mount, as he's speaking to his disciples. He says in verse number 24, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now mammon just refers to the things of this world. Some people have said it means money. Others have have just talked about how it just means the material things of this world. But the concept here is this. You can serve God, love God, or you can love and serve the things of this world. But you cannot do both. Notice he didn't say it's difficult to serve God and mammon. He didn't say it's really hard to serve two masters. It's almost impossible to serve two masters. He didn't say that. He said no man, no man can serve two masters, one or the other. You either love God or you love this world. You either serve Him or you serve this world. And then, of course, He famously said in verse 33 of this chapter, "...but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you." In other words, it's not wrong to have things. Material possessions are not wrong. Every one of us has to devote some degree of effort... To providing for our needs physically here in this, in this world. In fact, we're commanded to do that. Husbands and fathers, you're, you're commanded to provide for your family. And the Bible says if you don't do that, that you've you've denied the faith, you're worse than an infidel. Someone who's not even saved. You, you need to, it's not like God's saying, you know what, just. Quit your job and don't work and and don't care for the things of this world. Don't take care of your house. Don't take care of your family. Don't take care of your body. You just leave all that to God and and just serve Him. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. The number one priority in your life needs to be the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That comes first in everything. Yet how many times have you said, and I'm saying this to myself because I've said it before too I'm too busy to pray I'm too busy to read my Bible today or this week or whatever it is I'm too busy to go to church or serve in the church or be involved in this or that I've got too many things going on too many irons in the fire and God will just have to understand no seek ye first the kingdom of God that comes first it's priority why? Because if you put other things before God, what you're really doing is you're demonstrating you love other things more than you love God. And you cannot love God and love the world. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's a contradiction there. God and the world don't mix, not even a little. But as we go back to 1 John chapter 2, we see not only a concern, but we see this contradiction. And thirdly, we see a consequence. Notice he says, Verse number 16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world passeth away. The world passeth away. Folks, we live in a life. I was just talking to someone yesterday. It said, it seems like time has sped up. The older you get, the more you realize how short this life really is. We have a few precious moments here on this earth. And then it's gone. It's gone. If you set your heart and your mind to live for the things of this world... You are laboring in vain. Because one day it's all going to be gone. And that day is not as far off as it seems. It's all going to just vanish away. James asked the question, what is your life? And then he answered it. Is he even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away? And if all of your effort and all of your mind and all of your time is consumed with... The things of this world, tragically, you're going to come to the end of your life you're going to have nothing to show for the time that God gave you. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about standing before the judgment seat of Christ and and our works being tried by fire. And it talks about those works, some that are of gold and silver and precious stones and, and other works that are of wood and hay and stubble. Now, if you were to take gold and silver and precious stones and wood and hay and stubble, and you put it all in a big pile, and you set it on fire, when that fire burns out, the gold and silver and precious stones are going to be—they're going to remain there. But everything else is going to be burned up. The comparison is this: if you live for the things of this world, it's like the, just a pile of stubble that's just going to be burned up. It's gone. How tragic would it be to live our life and come to the end of our life and realize that we have nothing. We did nothing. We we, we wasted it. There was nothing worth, nothing of eternal value, nothing of eternal worth that remained. Notice also, though, that he doesn't just say the world passeth away, but he says the world passeth away and the lust thereof. In other words, the things that seem so important today in eternity, they're not going to matter. The things that we desire and just have to have, <laughs> when we get to heaven, our, our desire for those things is going to be gone. We're not only going to wish that we had those things still, we can't bring them with us. No, actually, we're not even, we're, we're even going to care whether we had them or not. Because the the world passes away, but so does the desire, the lust thereof. When when you stand before God, only only one thing's going to matter. And it's Him. And your life of service for Him. You're going to wish that you had given more of yourself and more of your time and more of your effort to the Lord and not to Him. But, but, look at the very end of verse number 17. But He... That doeth the will of God abideth forever. There is an uh, an abiding endeavor. There is a way that you can take these few days of this life and make them count for something that is actually worthwhile. What is it? To do the will of God. Set your affection on Him and fall in love with Him. Do His will in your life. It's worthwhile. It's of eternal value. Don't fall into the trap of living for the things of this life. I cannot tell you the number of people that that I have counseled and and tried to help people that have this mentality, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to... Give to the Lord. I'm, I'm going to make him a priority in my life once I get past this hurdle, once I achieve this. And for some people, it's, you know, it's it's short term. I'm in a busy season of life. Let me get past this. For some people, it's more long term, you know, once the kids are out of the house, once I retire, whatever. But you know what happens usually tomorrow never comes. And if it does, something else will be in the way. And and the truth is, none of us have a guarantee of tomorrow anyway. So we really need to get serious about the Lord today. We need to really set our affection where it belongs. We need to really ask ourselves, "Am am I really in love with the Lord or am I in love with the world? No matter who you are, no matter how long you've been saved, you have... All of us are susceptible to this. Little children, fathers, young men, love not the world.